Good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship here today. We have a Teen Challenge with us, which is going to be exciting. They're going to be leading us in worship. Thank you. Bruce is recovering, so that's why he's not here today. He had a little Audi that's now an innie, <laughs> and it's an owie. So he's recovering, so you can be praying for him. Why don't we, to begin worship, why don't we stand up and greet one another for a few minutes? Take our seats, please, as we begin worship today. A new group leading us. So, without further ado. Good morning, church. What a blessing to be able to come here and worship with you guys. Yeah, so we're a Teen Challenge. Uh, God just happened to put a whole bunch of guys together that can play. So here we are sharing that gift with you guys. Um, yeah, let's stand up and uh, praise our God. God and King, His love endures forever. 
setting sun His love endures forever And by the grace of God will carry on His love endures forever Sing
so good to be in your presence, God. Holy Spirit, fill us, Lord. Guide us, direct us in your love, Lord, in your light. Thank you for being the light of the earth, Jesus. Psalms 145 says, I will extol you, O my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord. So we lift up praise to our God. You give light. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore Shout your 
So before we get into some announcements, this was so beautiful. Yeah. Let us just take a minute to pray before we carry on. Join me in prayer. Father, we know that you are, you inhabit when your people pr uh, praise you with song. And Father, we just want to take a moment right now to just take a really deep breath and breathe in your spirit that's here. Father, open our hearts our minds to receive what you have for us today in word and be with us through the service as we continue to see your spirit work amongst us um, and as we pour out your love to the world once we leave those doors. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, a few announcements before we carry on. <laughs> All right, so we have a few, like we talked about last week, a few fundraisers coming up on November 4th. Teen Challenge being one of them. Okay. Young Life in Canby is having another one. And uh, that's done. They're done. And then another reminder coming up, the, what's that, the 30th? When's the Harvest Party? Is that 28th? That's here. So just. Invite a bunch of people to come and get involved. It'd be awesome. And then the last thing that I want to, uh, for those who are interested and want to do it, um, there are some cards in the office that we send to our missionaries. And this happens to be Thanksgiving time. If you would care to send a word of encouragement to them uh, with the work that they do, feel free. They're in there to sign today before I send them off. All right. Are there any other announcements? Okay. So, yes, I should. Little guys and big guys, if you are so inclined, it's time for Children's Church. So you are dismissed. Or if, they want, if you want to stay, that's okay too, but... We're good. Hi, everyone. Good morning. I'm Alex Tatnan. I'm the outreach coordinator for the Portland Men's Campus of Adult and Teen Challenge. Thank you so much for having us here, and thank you for your heart for our ministry. Um, it's really evident. We feel very loved every time we're here. Uh, we know you guys send contributions as well to our campus for our various sundries and needs. So by means of introduction, I first want to say um, Psalm 22 is a psalm of lament, but there's in verse 3 it says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And what we do at Adult and Teen Challenge is we introduce people to the Lord so that he, they can become his people. Um, 
I think we all can remember a time when we were not his people, but now we are. And so that's the hope that we want to share with you all from Adult and Teen Challenge. So like I said, my name is Alex Tatnan. I'm the uh, outreach coordinator and education coordinator. Um, Adult and Teen Challenge is a four-part comprehensive discipleship ministry that specializes in drug and alcohol treatment and recovery. Um, the four parts that we have, the first off being we have a residential discipleship program. That means that everyone who's enrolled in Adult and Teen Challenge lives on site with us and we learn how to make disciples together and become better disciples. Along those lines, in an order of that, we also have a curriculum that is nationally um, certified through Adult and Teen Challenge International that we use to teach for everyone based on grief or whatever it is that anyone has to deal with. Uh, the second part of our program is our outreach department. That's what I'm the head of now. And that is that we go out into the community, whether it be at church presentations, school presentations, uh, youth groups, or whatever it is, storefronts, anything that we can do to get the word out that there is hope for anyone who's struggling with life-controlling problems. The third part of our program is our vocational training. We enlist everyone to work a pretty much normal work day while they're in our care. Um, one of the components of this is the new super thrift store here in Oregon City, which we just opened in June. Thank you. I, I think it was just an idea that we were proposing last time we were here. I don't think it had opened yet, so we're very excited that it's opened. Um, if you want more door hangers, let me know. I still got a whole bunch that I need to get rid of. So the vocational training anyways, uh, along those lines, we also have various landscaping or small church projects that we will do for other ministries in the area, or even for individuals who need some help. So if you do need some help, reach out and let us know. The last part of our program is one of my favorite parts, is Life Renewal. This is a clinical counseling service. In fact, it's one of the only faith-based, certified, and state-licensed clinical counseling services in the United States. We're partnered with them to give our clients and students extra care, the care that they need. Oftentimes, people will come to Adult and Teen Challenge through our Life Renewal's outpatient service. Life Renewal will recommend that they need a little bit more care or a little bit more practice in a safer environment. That's where we step in and take them on as clients. As far as the updates that we have, we have a couple of updates about our campus in particular. We've been undergoing a remodel for uh, quite a while. I think I've been working for Adult and Teen Challenge for about three and a half years. and I think it's been the whole time that I've been there. Um, from replacing floors to replacing plumbing and repairing the, the strange things that happen on our, our quirky building. Um, we do have a lobby that is beautifully remodeled now with new furniture and everything. We are working on our kitchen now, which we just received a grant for and we're excited about. We have purchased all of the appliances and uh, everything is going according to plan. So we're thankful for that. Thank you for your help with that. The other, or the other update that I have is from our life renewal department. We've hired two new counselors, and I believe we're hoping to hire another one. Is that right, Zori? So we're hoping to hire another one because we're growing. Um, it's, uh, it feels like a strange season, but we actually have been growing. We have an ongoing intake list of people that we're waiting for to arrive into our care. It's about five people long at any given time, and it's growing more and more. I and Zori and our, pastor, our friend Pastor Brent have been working directly with our admissions department to even pull people from other parts of the region who can't get into another program to make sure that they get the help that they need. 
because we can help, and so we must help. We can, so we will. Finally, how can you help? Last time I proposed our student sponsorship program, which I'm very thankful I've gotten to get some updates out about for our various students. Now I will admit I am behind on updates still. So there are interviews that are going to be a little bit more detailed that we'll be passing out uh, or distributing on the student sponsorship cards. You'll have a picture of the student that you're sponsoring as well as some basic information how to pray for them. We also have our gala on November the 4th. Thank you for reminding us of that during the announcements. Um, that's at 6 p.m. If you want to attend, let us know in the back, and we will give you the website, and you can purchase your tickets online. It's super fun and fast and easy. Same with the student sponsorship program. There's a really quick and easy link that you can go through and do that yourself. Finally, I want to announce once again that our super thrift store here in Oregon City is open, and they do free donation pickup. So give us a call if you need something picked up. You can call us at the center. You can call my cell phone. We're all connected to the thrift store, so just however it's easiest for you, let us know, because that helps us to fund this program, to keep our lights on and our doors open, to keep these students um, in the care that they need. I think that's all that I have for announcements. Zori, want to take it over? church thank you guys so much for having us here this morning um, it's always a pleasure to be here uh, pastor Bruce if you're watching online thank you for uh, um, opening your pulpit to me and to the teen challenge family uh, we're excited to be here uh, student worship team and you guys just did a great job leading us into the presence of God and uh, just proud of proud of you guys I'm proud of all the students that are here this morning that are making life change and we're going to talk about transformation and life change this morning as we look in God's word. And uh, there is so much, uh, there is so much depth to the idea of transforming a life. You know, I think sometimes it's kind of easy to look at the idea of transformation as, you know, you look at somebody that's struggling with, a, with, a, with an issue or with an addiction or with a you know, kind of that they live in this repetitive cycle and maybe it's a family member or a friend and it just seems like no matter what they do over the years, they just seem to stay stuck where they are. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you struggle with an addiction or a life-controlling problem or an unwanted behavior that you can't seem to overcome. And so we're going to talk about what does God's word say about transformation? How do we become transformed how do we actually change beyond just saying that, you know, how do we go from a place of making a commitment of faith uh, and saying, I believe in who Jesus is, I, I trust in God, how do we actually change the way that we think? How do we actually reprogram our minds? And as Paul says in Romans, that, that we'd be renewed by the, uh, by the, we'd be transformed by the renewal of our mind. How do we do that? Um, it's, and it's actually a lot more nuanced and a lot more complicated than I think any of us realize until we actually kind of start to dive into it. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, that's really kind of my heart. It's, I'm going to be speaking to you what God has been speaking to me and what God has been showing me as I continue on my own journey of transformation and my own journey of healing. Uh, and I hope and pray that, um, that it will speak to you this morning. Um, but before we jump into it, I was thinking this, this, this last week, I had the, the opportunity, my wife and I, um, we left on last Wednesday, 
uh, Wednesday morning last week, we took a little break um, and we drove to a coastal town of Yahats. Anybody familiar with Yahats? Yeah, um, so I had never been there and I thought it was Yachits, but I found out that <laughs> that's not actually how you say the name of the town. Um, anyways, it's kind of just, you know, like your typical quirky, like Oregon coast town. Um, and it is like 45 minutes south of um, Newport. And so it's kind of like basically directly west of like Corvallis-ish, maybe a little bit further south than that. Um, and uh, we have some friends of ours that have a property that's on the Yahats River that is, you know, there's a valley basically that, you know, there's the Yahats River that flows right into the ocean. And they have um, a property that's about six or seven miles up the river. Um, and so we camped on their property. We tent camped. Um, and it was a great time. We were, you know, fall camping is fun, especially when it's not raining and it was sunny those two days. Um, and so we just had some good time relaxing and just being in nature. I love to fish. So, um, you know, the Yahats River is, is a, a, a river that gets a return of Chinook salmon and steelhead um, in the fall and in the winter. Um, and so I was able to do some fishing and um, I was able to catch a, catch a Chinook on the Yahats and just had a really good time with my wife and she got to read her book and I got to fish. And, you know, I'm just thinking about um, like this just cycle of life, right? Like fall is kind of just this, it's really this transition of where things start to die so that new life can be reborn. And like the salmon that I caught um, was about 12 pounds, but it was like when salmon are in the later stages of their spawning cycle, they, be, they turn colors, as you guys have probably seen in like books, or maybe you're fishermen, and so you already know this. But um, so anyways, this salmon that I caught, I wish I had a picture on the screen. It was basically like black. Um, and when they come in from the ocean, they're bright silver. And then as they travel up their tributaries to spawn, they begin to like lose fat and their, their skin color changes, and they kind of almost start to decompose like while they're alive, really. And so that's kind of what was happening to this fish. And, and it's kind of sad. It's like, you know, well, I can't eat this fish because it's, they don't taste good when they're at that stage. They're still fun to catch. But anyways, so I decided to release the fish. And, and it's just kind of like my wife's like, well, that's, you know, why, is it, why does it look like that? And I'm like, well, it's going to die because salmon, after they spawn then they, they die. And what actually happens is, is that that death is like creating the next cycle of life for like the, you know, the eggs that are fertilized and then they go back, they grow up in their native stream and they travel to the ocean and they come back and it's the cycle over and over again of kind of this death and then renewal. And that's not just unique to salmon, that's happening with like the leaves falling and, you know, decomposing and fertilizing the earth and you know, rain's coming and all these changes and stuff that are happening. And I just was thinking, like, in order for transformation to happen, something has to die. And when you look at your own personal life, and when I look at my walk with Jesus, every time that I've come to a place in my life of, of like, recognizing that something needed to change, I had to be willing to let something die and let something go so that new life could be reborn so that something new could take root in my life, and that's beautiful, and that I've learned over time that walking with Jesus, that actually I don't need to be afraid of what he's calling me to let go of. I don't need to be afraid of losing something that I know needs to go, because God is going to replace what I let die, what I give up. God is going to bring forth something beautiful and something new.
And that imagery is uh, found all over the scriptures. Um, and as we know, like Bi- the Bible is the story of God's redemptive work for his creation. Us, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that God has a plan for us. And, um, and so that's kind of like where I just want to start off this sermon this morning is that God loves you, that when God sees you, that he's not ashamed of you, that whatever you're struggling with this morning, that whatever faults, defects, issues that you wrestle with, that God loved you before you ever even began to struggle with those issues, and that what the devil wants you to, to focus on is your shame and a self-contempt. And I just want to say to you this morning that God, when God sees you, he sees beloved masterpiece created in his image to do his works and to do good things. And so let's just come at this from, from that framework. I know it can be difficult to kind of talk about transformation sometimes, and if we really actually want transformation, it can get a little bit uncomfortable um, with what God asks us to let go of and what things need to die. But I want to look in Ephesians chapter 5, um, verses 15 through 20. Um, and we, uh, we are going to read that together. And I just realized I left my Bible on the counter so, or on the chair, so I'm going to come grab it. Thank you. Okay, so we're just, let's just read through this together. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask you to speak to us this morning. We ask you to humble our hearts, God. Would you make us moldable and pliable and teachable? God, as we look at your word, Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak clearly uh, and effectively, God, and in a way that would honor you and would bring truth to your scripture and truth of who you are to life in this room, God. And I just pray that each one of us would walk away this morning feeling encouraged, feeling closer to you, feeling more confident in our relationship with you, God. And I ask that you would help us to um, embrace, um, God, the season of change that I believe you're calling me to and us to as a church and as a Teen Challenge campus, God, together to embrace transformation and embrace new life in you, God, because you're always doing something new. So, Lord, help us to see what that is for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, verse 15 is a warning to be careful that danger lies ahead. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. That seems like a pretty simple um, simple thing. And it kind of made me think of like road signs, you know, that drive, it warns drivers of upcoming things. Like when you're coming around a turn, there will be a picture of a, an, an arrow turning. And then below that, there will be like a recommended speed for that. You know, oftentimes that speed is below what the speed limit is of the actual road that you're on. So technically you're not breaking the, the law if you want to go 55 miles an hour around this turn because the speed limit's 55 miles an hour, but it'll say 25 
like below the arrow because it's like you're probably not going to make the turn if you hit this turn at 55 miles an hour. Um, and so if you, you can choose to either obey that or listen to that, you have a choice. You're not breaking the law by taking that set turn faster, but you, it's unwise to take that. And so this is kind of like uh, uh, our road sign. Um, this is our warning to live, you know, to live carefully um, and to not live like fools, but those who are wise. But what, you know, what does that, what does that actually mean? You know, how do we, how does that actually play out in our lives? Um, I think conviction oftentimes is a, is a warning sign to us as Christians. God gave us conviction for a reason. It serves a purpose. Um, and I believe that kind of the, one of the, the, the chief reasons that we have conviction is so that we hear something, we feel something in our heart when we're doing something or living a way that doesn't meet God's standards or God has something better for us. And it, it's a starting point for us to realize, like, warning, I should probably change what I'm doing, or I probably shouldn't continue to behave this way, or I probably should listen to what this voice is telling me inside, of, in, inside my heart and in my soul. And conviction, like, is more than just a mental kind of, like, you know, trigger thing that happens. It's, it's actually, like, physical. Have you ever, like, done something wrong and just felt, like, this physical weight of, like, oh, like, why did I do that, you know? And it's like this pain, and you may even have, like, you may sweat, or you may feel, like, sick or nauseous. Like, the feeling of conviction is something that's tied to, like, our emotions and to our physical bodies. Like, God put it there for a reason as a warning sign. And so we have to begin to start to listen to those, those voices in our mind. And for some of us, we listen to those areas of conviction in certain, th- in certain areas of our life, but in other areas, we shut off the voice of conviction or we rationalize our behavior and because we're unwilling to let God in to certain parts of who we are. And like I talked about, we're unwilling to let things about us die so that God can transform us. And so the hope is that we're going to do that this morning, that we're going to start that process this morning. Um, There has to come a time where we decide to stop living the lives that we used to live. And, um, you know, for our context of Adult and Teen Challenge, sometimes this can feel very obvious. Like, you know, you're living a life of drug addiction, possible crime, um, you know, lies and deceit and like kind of all these like really obviously wrong things that we, it's easy to say that's wrong and this is not the way that God created me to live. Um, you know, and so we have, we come to a place of deciding to stop this. And so for me, um, when I, you know, I was 22 when I was finally ready to, to get sober and I've shared my testimony I, I've here before um, so I'm not going to go a ton into detail about it, but there came a point in my life where I decided that I needed to change, that something about the way I was living wasn't working, and that if I didn't let that part of me die, that physically I was going to die. And so I made a choice, and I prayed in my car, and I said, God, please set me free from this addiction and help me, bring me to a place where I can heal Show me the, the steps out of this, and I will take them, and I'll follow you for the rest of my life. And the, the God's answer to that prayer was Teen Challenge. Um, and I found the program, and I entered that, and I began my journey of transformation and my process of letting the old person die. Um, but that was really kind of just like a couple of parts of me that needed to die and to change. Um, and really, like, what you come to find out when you follow Jesus is that for the rest of your life, 
God is going to continue to reveal things about your character and about who you are that need to change, that he wants to die so that he can rebirth something new. Um, But we have to come to a place in our lives where it's like, I don't want to live the way that I'm living anymore. And there has to be a desperation in order to find this transformation that we're talking about. Um, It says, be like those who are wise. I think, um, you know, one of the first steps that you can take is finding somebody who's living the Christian life that you want and follow them. Um, I learned pretty early on that, like, mentors weren't going to really pick me, that I was going to actually have to find mentors and kind of be, like, proactive in, like, my, my own discipleship and kind of find people that I looked up to and admired that had been further in their journey, whether it was in recovery or in discipleship or in, you know, in ministry, and then kind of, like, try to attach myself to those people and extend invitations or asks to those that could help lead me. Um, and so for you, like in the context of the church, maybe that's an elder or that's your pastor or somebody that you look up to in your faith, someone in your family, we need support. We need people around us who can guide us on this journey of transformation. Uh, you can't do it on your own. Uh, you need other people. And the beautiful thing is that there are Christians who have like pioneered the path of like walking with God and pioneered the path of transformation. And there's so much information and like wonderful books on how to do this, um, you know, and I'd be happy to give you some recommendations. Um, but you have to kind of live in this constant state of learning and being willing to be mentored and discipled. And so that would be the other thing that I would say um, of how to kind of change your lifestyle and how transformation begins is this willingness to learn and a humility to say, like, I need help of how to change my life and I want to truly follow Christ and I feel like convicted of this certain area of my life and I need to let this down. I need to let this go in order to become who God's calling me to be and to not live under the weight of shame and guilt anymore, but I need help to get out of this. So that's, that's what I would say. Verse 16, let's look at that. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We have an opportunity in verse 16. Following Jesus is a magnificent opportunity. If you are sitting here this morning and you hear the sound of my voice and you are hearing the words of this gospel truth, you have a wonderful and magnificent opportunity to follow a living God who loves you and who will satisfy you in a way that nothing in the world will ever be able to satisfy you with. And um, we should be excited about that. Although you may be struggling this morning with some kind of thing that God is calling you to let go of, and we all have them, it doesn't matter where you're at in your walk with Jesus, there's always something more that God wants to change. You have an opportunity this morning to respond to a God that loves you and sees you for who you truly are and sees your entire story from start to finish, and He wants to bless you and guide you and walk with you on that journey, and we have an opportunity to say yes to that. And it's, it's hard work to do that. We're saved by grace, but that we have to do, we have to, to till the soil to plant seeds. Um, it, it, is, it is hard work sometimes. Guys, you know that. It's hard work in your recovery. It's not easy. It's not easy to change a deep fundamental part of who you are and something that's controlled your life for a very long time. It takes hard work. But you're beginning to see, many of you beginning to see um, 
uh, new flowers and plants and life sprouting up in the soil of who you are because of the work that you've laid and you plant these seeds and then sometimes you don't get to see anything for three months. And it's like three months goes by and you're like, I don't feel like I'm changing God. What is wrong with me? And then it's like you wake up one day. It's like, oh, I just realized that this morning I didn't have a desire to get high. You know, like I just realized this morning, like somebody asked me a question and I didn't lie. You know, like anger consumed me in this moment and I didn't respond from my anger, but I decided to respond in love. And then you start to see the fruit of the seeds you're planting and you start to see the transformation take place. And that happens because you respond to the opportunity and the invitation that Jesus is, is offering all of us this morning. Make the most of your time on earth. Put your heart and soul into seeking Jesus, believing that God is transforming you. It doesn't feel like you're being transformed a lot of the time during your process of transformation, which is kind of the difficult part about it. And that's what I'm talking about is like you make this commitment, okay, God, I am willing to let this part of me die, and I am willing to invite you into this. And then you start your process, and you start your journey. And um, oftentimes, long periods of time can go by, and you feel like you haven't made progress. But I just want to encourage you this morning that a lot of times when you feel like you're not making progress, that seed in the ground, there's something happening. And that if you hang on long enough and you don't quit that something beautiful will come up out of the ground and you'll be surprised at what it is. Um, the process of death can take a while. You know, like to go back to that kind of that analogy of the salmon, like they are living in the tributary oftentimes for weeks, sometimes months before they're fully done with their spawning cycle and before they're dead. And they live in the river and they slowly kind of degrade over time, but it's all part of their, their process of reproduction and, um, and it takes time. And so in kind of our, our walk with God and with what sometimes seems to take forever to die and to, to, for something new to happen can take time. And so kind of coming at your approach with Jesus uh, as like this is something that's going to be a lifetime. This is not just something that's like, you know, for you guys in the program, a year. Or, you know, for us as Christians, it's like, okay, I've been coming to this church for four years and I lead a small group and why do I still have this addiction? Like, you know, I pray every day, and I ask God to take this thing away from me, and like, here it is. I end up back at the same spot again. Like, following Christ takes a lifetime, and it's a, and it's a repeat process the same way that the seasons change, and it's new growth. It's new death. It's new life that happens, and as we walk with God, hopefully over time, we start to see kind of this progression towards being more like him and towards becoming who God is, is, is making us to be. Um, I want to kind of jump out of Ephesians for a second to Matthew 5, verses 3 and 4, um, because I think it's just so crucial to what we're talking about. And I listened to a podcast um, about this specific topic, and they kind of like, um, they interviewed this couple um, who works with people with um, all kinds of addictions. They, they focus on drug addiction, sexual addiction, um, mental health disorders, 
um, and they uh, kind of talked about this idea. They were like, what is kind of like the first step to change? And they're talking to them, and they said, like, the guy who was in the interview said, poverty of spirit. And kind of the topic was, what is poverty of spirit? And, and in the Beatitudes, Jesus says um, in Matthew 5, verse 3 and 4, that God blesses those who are poor in spirit um, and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, poverty of spirit, when I began my journey of recovery, was really kind of like ground zero. Until I came to a place of poverty of spirit, like I was never going to really truthfully change. And poverty of spirit is like intensely painful. And when you read like the book of Psalms and you see kind of these laments and these prayers and, you know, it can sound like, wow, that's really dramatic and emotional um, because it is. Um, coming to a place of poverty of spirit is like, God, I'm so broken and I need you to heal me. And, a, and it comes from a place of desperation. And it comes, I think, most importantly, from a place of humility. Um, I think it's our pride that prevents us from poverty of spirit. And humans have an incredible capacity to avoid uncomfortable feelings, uncomfortable places, hard work. I mean, if, it's, if there's an easy way around something emotionally or spiritually, our nature is to take that route. Um, at least mine is. Uh, and I think that many um, characters in the Bible also would probably agree with me on that when you look at their stories and their lives. But there's a reason why Jesus says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. And it's the first thing in the Beatitudes. It's like, I feel like nothing else can really grow or change in my life until I come to a place of poverty of spirit or where I recognize my need for a Savior and I recognize the horrible condition that my life is in with, apart from God. And where I recognize that like, no matter how hard I've tried in my own strength to change things about me, somehow they seem to continue to exist in my life. And it's coming to a place of like, God, take this from me. Heal me. Change me. Fix my life. I, I, I feel this sense. I'm responding to the conviction that you've put in me. I'm responding to this, this, this person I feel you're drawing me to be. I sense in my soul that something's not right with who I am and what I'm doing today, and I want to change. That is poverty of spirit. And we have to have that. We have to experience that. And it is very uncomfortable, but I want to encourage you today that possibly what's keeping you from growing in your faith is a resistance to facing the feelings of poverty of spirit. And that possibly your pride is preventing you from truly seeking God in that way of desperation and pain. And sometimes when we start in our faith, it's, sometimes it's a little bit easier to come to that place, like maybe the first time or the thing that led you to church in the first place or to the Bible was this like catastrophic life issue. Maybe, and maybe it wasn't. Maybe you grew up in the church, but I think sometimes it's easier earlier on in our faith. Like we expect that there should be a poverty of spirit moment. But then, like, as we've been walking with Jesus, like, you know, we start to feel like we kind of got things together. And, like, we don't have to go back to that. That's a, that's a starting point. I don't need to go back to that level of, like, you know, of just turmoil. And that's a lie. And this is kind of what God is speaking to me is, like, 
even now walking with Jesus for almost 10 years and being sober um, for that amount of time and like leading others in sobriety and in faith and, um, you know, being in ministry and and all that stuff. um, Like I am not done with facing moments of poverty of spirit in my life. Like I have to be able to come back and say, God, what are you trying to change about me today? Because I can't live in the past. Like, what you did in my past is I remember that, and I praise you for that, and I'm thankful, and that's been a part of my process. But, like, where I'm at today, I won't continue to thrive in my faith if, like, the only thing that, like, I'm excited about or I remember that God did was something four years ago or three years ago or something back in my testimony. Like, I don't reject that, but, like, I need to know, God, what are you doing in my life today And what things about me are you asking me to let go of and to change and to die right now so that I can continue to grow in my faith with you? Poverty of spirit is essential, and I think it's something that all of us as believers should be coming back to on somewhat of a regular basis. That's not that we need to like just be depressed and sad all the time because we're just living in poverty of spirit. But like it is something that like we I think we need to be comfortable with and okay with and embrace on a somewhat regular basis. Otherwise, I think pride begins to take us down a road that we may not even realize we're going down. And you will begin to suffer consequences that you didn't think that you would if you ignore this. Um, And so that's my encouragement, is to embrace what God is asking you to change this morning. (sighs) Okay, I'm talking fast, but I got a lot and I don't want to go forever. So... Um, Um, okay, where are we at? We did poverty of spirit, Matthew chapter 3, or Matthew 5. Poverty, is, is, uh, poverty of spirit is a prerequisite for real change. It just is. I'm convinced that it is, um, and you can argue with me after the service if you want, but I, I, just, I just don't see any real way to transformation unless you embrace it. Romans, and then so Romans 12 Chapter 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul understood that the mind needed to be renewed, that something about the way that we thought and the way that we behaved and the way that we um, treated others and looked at ourselves, basically like our entire worldview as human beings needs to be transformed on a continual basis, like the first time, and then again and again and again and again as we live out our life. And so in addiction, um, in like neuroscience, um, that there's this thing called neuroplasticity where like your brain um, creates pathways like, and it responds to certain stimulus that you subject it to over time. So like for example, um, to use drugs for an example, like if you um, use cocaine um, you know, regularly, Basically, like, you create this pathway that, okay, if I do this, like, this is going to make me feel good, and, like, I know, now my brain knows that this is the pathway to joy and to satisfaction, and so you're going to have this, you know, this, these neural pathways that are, are, like, physically actually changed in your brain, um, and then when you decide that you want to stop using cocaine because of the horrible consequences it's causing in your life, health issues, marriage problems, you lost your job, whatever... Like, it isn't going to be just this simple thing of like, okay, 
I want to stop, and so now I've made this conscious decision, and I'm going to just go the other way. Like, there's going to be a process of, of real change. You have to now reestablish new pathways in your brain. But the beautiful thing about it, the brain, is that it can actually heal, and that, like, old neural pathways can heal, and then new ones can be created. And sometimes it takes a long time. Most of the time it does. Um, but that there is a process of healing that can take place in the brain. And, um, you know, I don't think they knew really a lot about, like, neuroscience back when Paul wrote the book of Romans. Um, <clears throat> but, like, what he, he's talking about neuroplasticity. He's talking about being transformed by that your mind needs to be renewed. And that there's some, that there's some time and some work that's going to have to happen. And that, like, God is going to ask you to let certain behaviors, certain addictions, certain choices, you're going to have to be willing to let those die as you come out of a place of poverty of spirit to experience the renewal of your mind. It is possible for your mind to be renewed. God renewed my mind. I was addicted to opiates from the age of 14 to 22. Um, I became addicted to prescription painkillers. Um, my grandpa had melanoma cancer and passed away, and when he left, I took all the pills that he had over the years, um, and I would take them on a regular basis and developed a chemical dependency and an addiction, and um, I was injecting heroin at the age of 17, um, and so I was fiercely chemically dependent on opiates, um, and I felt like there was no way my life would ever change. Um, and that I was going to die in that addiction. And there were some very serious neuropathways that had been ingrained in my brain. Um, and there was some very serious physical damage that actually happens to your prefrontal cortex um, and different parts of the brain that are designed to operate a certain way. But when we introduce drugs or when we introduce pornography or we introduce unhealthy eating habits or, um, I mean, you name it, I mean, that was all of those things rewire your brain. And so there is this, this, there's a spiritual part of this, but there is also a physical part of this as well. And, and I think Paul is alluding to that when he's talking about be renewed by the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to restore some minds in this room this morning. God's will is to re renew your mind and that our minds can be renewed and that it doesn't, that it's, it is possible no matter how long you've suffered with a, a life-controlling issue, that God can renew it. It is not outside of the bounds of possibility. But we have to be willing. We have to humble ourselves. We have to be willing to be made poor in spirit to receive the transformation that God has for us. You may never have an opportunity like this in your life again. And, um, you know, there's a lot of folks that we've seen in our program who... Um, have come in and who have had the opportunity for life change um, and they chose to walk away and um, sadly some of them uh, have passed away and that's just a, a very real reality um, about you know kind of serving those that are in um, substance abuse um, you know and particularly with the rise of fentanyl we've seen the uh, death rates increase dramatically um, I think in Oregon, the last statistic I heard was that like 11 or 12 people die every single day from fentanyl overdose. Um, in Portland, basically like the, uh, the 911 call centers are backed up to the point where like they're just not even able to send or respond to, to like a certain amount of calls that happen. Um, 
people may never have the opportunity to live like this again or to, to embrace this, this life change that we're talking about. And, uh, you know, in some ways what's even sadder is, like, maybe you don't struggle with a fentanyl addiction, but, like, maybe you hear this word, like, the saddest thing would be that you would go on to, like, live the life, the rest of your life, and never, like, truly embrace poverty of spirit and truly embrace full transformation and renewal of your mind and just kind of, like, live in your same habits and your same way of living and your same way of thinking for the rest of your life and kind of marginally serve or marginally like kind of do a few things right and you know God has so much more for all of us that's not like to point fingers and believe me I'm preaching to myself because this is what I feel convicted about Um, and maybe you're like way ahead of me and some of you probably are and you're like I already know this I'm doing this on a regular basis and like great you know help us you know come and, and and share share that wisdom that you have we need um, you know, elders and saints in the church to, who are doing this ahead of us to, to show us. Um, but if you're anything like me, the tendency to kind of revert back to what's comfortable is, um, is strong. And so I just sense that God wants to kind of shake us out of that and kind of bring us back to a beginning process this morning um, in our walk with Him. And then verses 17 and 18, uh, as we wrap up, says, Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Seek the Lord for His direction for your life, not your plan, or not what someone said you should do. Be who God created you to be, not someone else. Um... You know, for some of us, our walk with Jesus has been predicated on, like, what we thought our parents wanted us to do, or what we thought our parents wanted us to be, Um, you know, and maybe we were raised in a Christian home, and it was very rigid, and it was like, there was all these rules, and this is what you had to do to be a good Christian uh, man or woman, and, um, you know, maybe, like, you kind of always wondered, like, this seems good, and there's a lot of these kind of rules and systems in place, but, like, I don't feel like I have this, like, my own soul connection to, like, the Jesus that I've been taught about. Um, maybe you, like, have modeled your faith and, like, your behavior and your language and your kind of, like, style and habits after someone that you looked up to, but that, like, you haven't really actually stopped to, like, ask yourself, like, who has God called me to be? You know, and I think that this is saying um, that we need to seek the Lord for His direction. And um, I think another way that we get off course and that we don't be transformed into who God wants us to be is because we imitate something that God didn't ask us to imitate. Or that, like, you know, maybe the wounds of our childhood of feeling like we were never good enough for our parents. Or, I mean, there's all kinds of things that kind of stem back to our, our family of origin, our childhood, that, like, have an impact on the, the men and the women that we are today. And I just want to say, like, I think God is inviting you to seek who you are in Him separate from, like, what someone told you you should be or what you felt like you never were. Um, you know, part of my recovery and my journey walking with Jesus has been looking back at, like, you know, my life and my childhood and, um, you know, kind of identifying like, how that impacted the person that I was. Um, 
you know, and just feeling like I was never, um, I could never live up to the shadows of my older brothers, and, um, you know, just feeling like this, this intense need to kind of like um, impress my dad, and, um, and all these things that just really have impacts on who I am today. We have to be willing to look at that and God has had a plan for me, has a plan for me of where I'm realizing now in my walk is like, God wants to like set me free from those, that type of like thinking, of people pleasing, of feeling like I'm not good enough, and that God says that I'm his masterpiece. He says you're his masterpiece, and that he has a beautiful plan for your life, um, and that it's unique to each one of us. We have a unique walk with, with, with Christ, um, and so seek his direction. That's what 17 and 18 is saying. And, uh, you know, don't be drunk on wine, um, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I read that, I'm like, I insert, you can say, I, I, I put in parentheses, insert your cultural drug of choice. Um, it doesn't just have to be alcohol. You can be drunk on a lot of things. You know, maybe it's, you know, like addiction to consumption of the news. And like you let the news like dominate how you feel and dictate your emotions and your feelings, and you're afraid of World War III all the time, and like you live in immense anxiety and fear because of that. Um, you know that is a that's a form of intoxication, or maybe it's social media and comparing yourself to those you know other people in your life that you know their marriage looks so perfect and their family photos like look so good at Christmas or whatever it is, and like my family feels like a wreck. Like, we become intoxicated when we fill our minds and our bodies with consumption of, like, anything outside of, like, what's holy and what's good. Um, and so, in order to, to find God's will, to find God's direction, we have to stop um, over-consuming worldly things. Um, and uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when we come together, that's why we gather once a week for church and we sing songs and we, because it centers our mind on who, the, the, the truth of who God is and we sing the, and declare the truth of God's word in song and, and you feel connected to God. You know, you can come in and just have like the worst week and it's like the music starts and you start to hear the words and it's like, man, and you just feel the presence of God and you have like goosebumps and it's like, you know that in that moment, like, okay, like, God is for me, and it just feels different than, like, some of the other stuff that you've been told or you've told yourself during the week, because we start to believe lies about ourselves and about the world, and the devil wants us to live in fear and anxiety and in question of our identity, and, and so, uh, and we don't hear God's voice when we live in that, and that's why it's so important to, to gather together on Sundays. That's why, you know, the church is created as the body of Christ that we come together, and, uh, and it is supposed to be a beautiful thing. It's not perfect, um, but it recenters our minds, um, and it's something that we should be doing in the middle of the week, too. Gathering, calling each other, sharing meals together, singing songs, um, focusing our mind on Him so that we can be directed by Him. Okay, verse 19 and 20. singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 
God created the world to have order. Um, and it seems like kind of a, a weird thing to draw from this, but I was thinking like, okay, it's talking about music kind of specifically. And, um, you know, and then I started to think like, well, what is music? Um, and music is something that God created that has incredible order to it. Um, so this is going to fall. Where can I put this? Put this right here. Music has incredible order. So there's like rules and laws to music that exist. So there's music theory, right, that like kind of explains the laws of music that already exist. And music theory is a language that we have created to communicate like things about what already existed like before creation, you know, and how like it's interesting that even if you don't understand music theory, um, if you hear the laws of music theory violated, it like it's like that doesn't sound right, you know. Like if there, if someone plays like you know if they're playing in the key of C and they play an F sharp, like you notice that because um, F sharp is not in the key of C. And so, the, and it's like God created order in our lives. And so, I think kind of looking even deeper at what this scripture is, ta- those two scriptures are talking about, is like sing songs to God, and make music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's design for us is that we would have order in our lives. And there's order in the universe and there's order in the seasons, and there's order in, in, you know, the life cycle of fish that return to their tributaries and go back. There is order in music. There is order in God's creation, and there's order in our lives, and God wants us to live a life that has order, and that doesn't feel like, um, you know, just like this stirred lake that is in in a storm. And sometimes it can take time for those waters to kind of settle back down, um, but I think just looking at like what is music and kind of seeing like, okay, God does have order in everything and he, he created me and he has a desire for me to have order in my life. And, uh, and I think that like that's God's design for us is to be in a place where like, you know, we are operating in our gifts, that we know who we are, that it's clear to us God's direction for our life, that we are constantly coming back to the Lord and say, God, what do you want to remove from my life to create more order and to create more peace and to make me more like you? And, and in all of those things, God, how does that benefit your kingdom? And the kingdom of God has order and that in the church there's order, that we're the body of Christ and that we all play a different, that we all represent a different part. Some are the hands, some are the feet. Like God is a mastermind of order. And I think if you just even look at the example of music, like, you see, like, wow, like, this is not an accident. Like, God didn't make you by accident. The earth is not created by accident. The life cycles, the ecosystem, the universe, our brains, neuroplasticity, the different functions of our brain, like, all are designed to have order. And sin's primary goal is to basically take all that is good and corrupt it to disrupt order in our lives and in our universe and in the kingdom of God. And I just, I, I know that's a lot, um, but really my take, my heart is that the takeaway for you this morning would be that God wants to transform you and renew your mind and that you can overcome the whatever habit, addiction, or thing that is stopping you from growing and changing into who God is calling you to 
to be, can be defeated. And uh, if we're just willing to humble ourselves and to embrace poverty of spirit and to embrace God's design and plan for our life, um, he can do that for you. Um, so would you guys stand this morning? Um, yeah. uh, worship team, too, if you guys want to come up and we'll do another song. Let's bow our heads. I know some of us in this room feel weary this morning, feel trapped, feel stuck, feel like if anyone knew what we were struggling with, that they would reject us. Maybe you feel ashamed this morning. Things that you've done, thoughts that you've had, decisions that you've made. And I just want to encourage you this morning that God loves you. That you were born with dignity. That God created you to be a beautiful masterpiece, that he has a plan for you that's good, that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ, that you don't have to continue to be the person you've always been, that there is hope for life change and transformation. Transformation is possible. And so we just reject any lie um, of the devil that would make us believe that we're stuck in sin, that we can't change. Whether it's a drug addiction or whether it's something else this morning, we all are in need of transformation. It doesn't matter if you're in a program like Teen Challenge or if you're just living your regular life. God wants to redeem you, wants to change you, has better purpose for you than, than where you are right now, that your story's not done that he's not finished with you yet. You might be 70 years old. God is not done with you. God has big things for you, that there's more to do in the kingdom of God, that there's more work to be done, that there's more fruit to be born. And you may be at the very beginning of your journey with Christ, and you may be wondering, God, what is poverty of spirit? And I just want to invite you to embrace that this morning to don't, not be afraid of that, that, that your hurt and your sorrow is actually the beginning of new life, that the pain that you carried for however long is the beginning of something new for you. And I just pray that we would begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us, not through a lens of anything else. And maybe it's we've seen ourselves a certain way because of something our parents said to us or a sibling or a way that we felt we didn't measure up, God. I just ask that you would help us to, to let go of those old things, that we would have compassion on ourselves this morning and that we would just have a, a sense of a new chance today in your presence. You're the God of unlimited chances and God, you loved us while we were still sinners. 
And so, God, it's not about our behavior. It's not about changing the way that we act just because we want to be better people. It's about we want to have relationship and communion with you, and we want to live within the boundaries that you've set up for us. We want to live in your perfect order, God, because we know and we believe that there is peace and wholeness and joy found in that place, God. So, Lord, we just ask that you would fill us with your presence this morning, that we would leave encouraged and, uh, God, motivated to pursue you deeper. And, Lord, we trust this and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, and before, worship team, before you guys start, I just want to say um, just a quick thing. Um, I know many of you guys sponsor students that are in our Teen Challenge program, um, and I just want to kind of plug our student sponsorship program one time before I get off the stage. Um, but if you feel like moved by what we're doing at Adult and Teen Challenge or by something that you want to be involved with us, um, we need financial support to run our ministry. Um, you know, we're here to bring worship and to bring you guys the word. Um, but, you know, we are opening the doors to all who come to our program, regardless of if they have the ability to pay or not. And so we have a sponsorship program. And I know many of you guys already sponsor students. Um, but if you want to sign up, you can actually sponsor um, a couple of the guys that are on the stage um, that are student sponsors. Um, and you can correspond with them. You get updates about their progress in the program. Um, and it's a commitment to um, supporting them for $45 a month. Um, and you can stop that at any time. Um, but that's, uh, that's what our student sponsorship program is. And we heavily rely on that to continue to do what we do. Um, so we'll be at the back at the end of service. Um, and I'd love to just meet you. Alex will be back there and some of the guys will be back there. Um, if you feel led to support us financially in that way, um, please come and see us and we will get you signed up. So thank you guys so much.
let me lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord Ooh, Come on my soul Oh don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you've got a thank you for this morning. God, I just pray that we would go in peace this morning, God, that every heart in this room would feel your love. And uh, Lord, thank you for church. Thank you for Teen Challenge, God. Thank you for the testimonies of uh, the men that are in the room this morning. And thank you for uh, each person here that has a heart for our ministry and supports us, God. I just pray uh, we would have a great rest of our day and uh, Lord, that we'd be blessed. So God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. All right, don't forget, some of these gentlemen are going to be down at coffee hour, so come down to meet them, join them, talk to them, um, come down and enjoy the fellowship. <laughs>